pet Two best friends who love to chat Oh, what it's like to be an ant Those who ant Those who ant Hello, and thank you for listening to Those Who Ant, the podcast that helps you see the world through ant-colored glasses. I am Auntie Mags. I'm Aunt Pat. And uh, Pat, how are you doing today? What's new with you? You know, I'm doing okay. Um, I have been doing something every day, and I just realized that the system is broken. Uh, what What's the thing you've been doing every day, and what's the thing that made you realize that are you doing one thing every day that scares you? Well, it became scary recently because I've been doing a crossword every day, and today I realized that the crossword industry is riddled with subjectivity. Okay, can you, would you mind elaborating? Because I want to agree with you so much. I just need to know what I'm agreeing with. I suppose I had always thought that crosswords were, you know, there's one answer here. You know, here's the clue and there's one answer. And that's how I, that's how it should be. What I realized is these people are just playing fast and loose with bias. Implicit bias, is that, with bias. And there's many things that could be the answer and I'm fed up. Okay, can you give me an example of a clue that was given and then the answer could be multiple things? Because if, if it's like, you know, Austin Powers actor, you know, and there's, there's a couple M's in there, pretty, pretty sure it's going to be uh, Mike Myers, but maybe I'm wrong. So what's, you know, elaborate. Well, I'm trying to remember, and I should have written one down as an example. That's just the truth. Uh, but something like along the lines of like, oh, um, let me think of one. Let me think of one. Uh, something that keeps your food cold. What would you say? Just off the top of your head. Well, I would say a fridge. That's what but I was I, thinking. Okay, but am I biased for thinking a fridge? Well, you have a bias that's called the answer. And other people might say, oh, cooler, um, um, an icebox or something. You know, I think they're just trying to get too clever because they've used up so many words and they're bored. So then they're putting in their own bias. I'm looking for bias, you know, because we've been told to start looking for it and I'm seeing it in crosswords. Yeah, but in that one, isn't that one of the things where it's like likely the letters in there would lead you to the answer. Instinctively, aren't you supposed to be looking for the answer to the question that they are posing? Not the end-all, be-all answer to the question. Like, it's not saying, like, what's something that keeps your food cold? There's only one right answer. In the schematics of a, of a crossword puzzle, they're going to give you clues to get you to where you need to be. I just wasn't raised like that. I was raised that when you do an activity like a crossword puzzle, there's an answer. I just feel like things are getting, and I've used this word before, and I think I know that this is right, diffuse. You know, things are getting very diffuse. And all of a sudden, you know, before you know it, you will have no earthly plan as to what is the answer in a crossword puzzle. You know, and so much of them now hinge on they've got the circle in the square. The circle in the square. Well, so now a jumble? That's the jumble. That's no, no, no. I know what you're thinking. I stopped doing the jumbles because I thought it's actually making me less intelligent just because <laughs> we get it. Uh, uh, look, look. Oh, wait. Oh, please wait. I love the jumbles. What are you doing to me right now? Am I well, you mean, bad? You a mean the find a word? What do you mean? The find a no, word? Not the find a word. No, the jumbles. Oh, I love the jumbles. No, I thought oh. you meant the find a word. What's the one where all the letters are already there? That's a word search. Can you imagine how much bias there is in a word search? You see what you see. Usually it's like, you know, alligator, crocodile, you know, it's like, you know, 
Backwards, forwards. What's the story with two words like that, alligator and crocodile? How many words do we need for the same thing? This reminds me of the time. Remember that time you and I accidentally smoked pot? Oh my God, yes. This reminds me of the kind of deep thinking that you were doing that night. I wish that I had written down everything that I'd said because I really felt like, you know, when they, they talk about you can open up more of your brain, we only use, you know, such a, we use a small part of our brain or mm. we don't use enough of it. I felt like, wow, I'm using, I can only assume more or different parts of my brain that I have never used. Yeah. yeah. You know who uses so much of their brain that I would love to talk to you about it right now? I have an it's inkling. Our, it's our guest. Our guest is uh, has the most amazing brain. And I know I say, you know, a lot of wonderful things about the people who come on this podcast, but I really stand by all of them. And I will go ahead on record and say this person has an amazing brain. And I, I, I can't wait for the world or the 15 people who listen to this podcast to uh, become acquainted with our friend, Bert. Bert, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. It's so good to talk to you, Mags and Pat. Oh, you, you both of you just, uh, it, my heart just grew three sizes bigger because I'm seeing both of you. Oh, I hope, I hope that that's just a fun expression because that is very dangerous. Oh, cardio inflation is one of the principal killers of men in my demographic. So I, I do not make that analogy lightly. Oh, you know, that just reminded me of Dr. Seuss because, you know, the Grinch is hot grew three sizes that one day. But then I accidentally talk about going down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I accidentally, not accidentally, I clicked on a link. I saw how actually racist... Dr. Seuss was, and that made me oh. real sad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it put it in context for me too. But you know what? I, I think, Mags, you're like me because you see those, you see those links and you just click on them and it'll be like, oh, the 18 things you didn't know about the casting of the sixth sense or like uh, the, the little girl from Punky Brewster. Where is she now? Or oh, the incredible- I know that one. She's doing Punky Brewster again. Yeah, I mean, that one, it was just a very linear link. There wasn't a gallery or anything. It was just it was just a link to uh, the, the new reboot on Peacock. But it was just a link to exactly where she is right now. Now, Bert, yeah. Bert you're a bit of a word guy. Mm-hmm. Um, would you have you noticed that this bias maybe? And I, I'm not trying to lead you here. Ask a leading question that I want you to just say that I'm right, but have you noticed any bias in crosswords or anything like that? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, uh, gosh, I was doing uh, the St. Petersburg uh, crossword puzzle the other day. And one of the clues was Romeo's friend. So I was like, oh, Romeo's friend. And I was like, well, that's easy. It's Benvolio. You know, E-E-N. That's what? Seven letters? Eight letters? Who, who has time to count? Boy, I thought it was Mercutio, but I guess that one was his cousin? I think Mercutio, I, I think, see, that's, that's again bias. You, all of a sudden, I have, to, I have to go into this 14-year-old boy's psyche and see which, which of his friends he liked better. Like, which, which of them was, um, was more important to him? And, and, you know, and, and that, that just, I, I think that that is so insidious, you know, how we, how society forces us to, to put our friends on tier levels. Like, oh, so, I mean, and how would, how would Mercutio feel if he was looking at that crossword puzzle and all of a sudden he's like, I'm not Romeo's best friend. I died for him. This is how I find out, you know, I'm in heaven and someone, and someone nudges me and's like, oh, did you see the St. Petersburg crossword puzzle today? Kind of mean. Juliet, is she not 
Is she not a friend? Is she just a piece of meat? Yeah. Is their relationship purely transactional, physical? Freya Tuck, I mean, he is someone who did, he did an act of service by by being solution-oriented and trying to to get these two kids married. He's just thrown out with the bathwater. Freya Tuck, is this a crossover? Oh gosh, what's what's the priest's name in Romeo and Juliet? Father Tuck, the friar. I guess Friar I'm t- Tuck is Robin Hood, right? Yes. Oh gosh, and that quick plug my uh, crossover Robin Hood meets Romeo and Juliet is going to. We're having a Zoom fundraiser for the St. Petersburg players on Saturday. It's just a cast reading. Don't expect much, but there will be costumes. <gasps> Don't expect much, but there will be costumes. I love the idea of a crossover because just put it all together. That way I don't have to remember as much, you know, who goes with what and where. When you put when you put it all together, now they're all in the same. They should really. I mean, I know that the original author is, you know, no longer with us or whatever, a mystery or whatever. But what about a nice, big, you know, full kind of cast kind of story where I, it's like, OK, yeah, they all knew each other, right? This is why Dick Wolf is like my number one, Dick Wolf and Shonda Rhimes. They're going to do a crossover event. I mean, I'm just hoping that one of the guys from Bridgerton shows up at Seattle Grace and, you know, all of a sudden, oh, here's 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 dynamics that we can explore. If they can find a reason to do a musical episode of Grace Anatomy, they can find a way to cross over Bridgerton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Bridgerton is the, um, it's the one for kids. Is that it? Where the, kid, the kids in it? Well, they are adults. They are all of legal age because I have looked all of them up on Wikipedia. But, uh, but Pat, it is, it is hot stuff. I mean. I, I, I was going to say, I stayed away from it because I thought these are children having sex. And I don't know who the audience is is other kids. But then now I realize when you say it out loud and not in a bad way that I'm old because I thought, mm-hmm. oh, these are just children doing each other. I haven't seen it. Oh, I've, I've watched it four times and I'm, I'm also scripting a, uh, another play called Bridgerton meets the bridge over River Kwai. Um, and just seeing what would happen if the, the people from, from Bridgerton were in uh, a World War II prison camp and had to subvert the actions of um, the opposing army. But that's getting off track. Pat, throw yourself into Bridgerton. It is romance. It is emotional dynamics. They are not having sex, Pat. They are making love. They are making love, and it's beautiful. Oh, wow. Can you imagine if when we were that age... You were making love. How what old are, they? are they? Yeah, what, what, yeah, give me a range here. Oh gosh. Well, I think Penelope, I think they do state that she's 18. Oh. Uh, and then I think the Duke is, I'm going to peg him at like 24, 25. Anthony, uh, I think he's, I'm going to say he's 20, 22. He's the kid. And this Anthony, you, you remember how much we love Broadchurch? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I was in a fetal position after Broadchurch. And just like the, the pain and the agony that, that they put Olivia Coleman through. And I'm not going to spoil it for you if you have, haven't seen Broadchurch. But if you haven't, throw your phone down and, and throw on Netflix right now because Olivia Coleman is going to break your heart on Broadchurch. Well, anyway, the, remember the little boy who was the, um, the kind of uh, scummy news reporter who was writing invasive articles? Well, he's gone to a workout center and, and put on some muscle, and now he's Anthony in 
Bridgerton, and uh, he is just you know he's a triple threat because he can he can he can do modern day, he can do period, and he can he can do future. And he can do future. I'd like to see him in a science fiction. Put him in a Star Wars movie. You reminded me when you brought up Bradchurch, but mm-hmm. you no, know, you told me because I because I was like, I love this, and I love feeling like I live in England because it's not here, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you told me to get to subscribe to that Bird Box, and mm-hmm. I didn't understand because that movie was um, not set in Britain. You know, you told me to do that Bird Box. Is and Bird Box the one where that I never saw it, but my aunt and uncle who are in their 70s spent uh, 30 minutes trying to explain. But what they were saying, it just led led to more questions. Is that the one? I can break it down for you right now if you want. The one I'm, with Sandra Boynton. Yeah, the one with Sandra Boynton where she, because no. um, you said if you like British things, which I was like, is that English? And you said yes. You said to get Bird Box. And then I watched it and... If it was a prank, you know what? Prank received. Good job. Because I was confused. I kept waiting for it to turn British. Okay, first of all, something about me, Pat. I will never prank you because I respect you so much. And pranks, as you know, as I as you know how I feel, pranks are abuse. And I think April Fool's Day should be outlawed because uh, we should be collaborating and building each other up instead of tearing each other down over pranks. Number two, this is a real, this is a classic Amelia Bedelia moment because I said... I said BritBox, BritBox, which is a subscription service for for shows that were on the BBC, like the the Joan Hickson version of Miss Marple or uh, the David Suchet Poirot. You heard BirdBox, which is a very divisive Sandra Bullock thriller on Netflix. Yeah, Sandra Bullock and Sandra Boynton. We've had this argument before. They're two different people. It sounds familiar now when you say that we've talked about this before. It yeah. actually sounds familiar that we you saying we've talked about this before. So now I'm assuming it's been three or four times maybe. Well, we had screaming. I just remember at my 50th birthday party just having a screaming match with you where you were insistent that Sandra Boynton had won an Oscar. And I remember I, I crushed my red solo cup full of yellowtail Sauvignon Blanc. And I said, if you mean to tell me that that cartoonist has been awarded acting's highest honor before Glenn Close or or Annette Benning or or Naomi Harris or any of the greats, then I am going to. Then there are going to be words. Yeah, that I now I remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is ringing a bell. That is ringing a bell with me too. Because well, when we were talking about a, a Boynton with Aunt Vivian, um, my brain exploded. Uh, uh, when she was reading us that Christmas card, and I think it did some damage. Good art does that. Good art damages your brain. It recircuits the chemistry. It forges new neural pathways. And I'm not saying that Sandra Boynton is is not a good artist. I, I think we should respect her her aesthetic more. Well, we we fished you, a Mary. What was it? Do you remember? I can't. Please even, don't. It, I'm begging it put you. Put me in a place. I it just forgot it. I just forgot it, and I slept so soundly. It was the first time since yeah. that got opened that I actually had a peaceful yeah. night's sleep. Yeah, I'm still up. I feel like you know that movie uh, where Russell Crowe is a mathematician. I feel like that's gladiator. What my brain, gladiator. No, my brain. No, no, you could you could talk. Sorry. No, what happened there? It talk well, us through. You were that. yelling no. You were yelling no. No, I was conscious. I was conscious of negating you, Russell Crowe. Two different movies. Gladiator is a movie where he is a gladiator who has to avenge the the death of his wife and children by fighting lions and tigers with with um, with the little boy who uh, 
was 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 the Joker. Um, oh, pie! Thumbs up and thumbs down. Yeah, yeah, pie. Wait, what? Hmm? Pie, the little boy who was the Joker. The little You're- boy's name was Pie in that movie. Remember when he fought off the tigers and the and the lions and stuff? Oh, no, in the no. life of Pie. The life of Pie. That's a totally different movie. That's that's a movie where where a little boy gets on a ship, a little boat, and then a tiger, voiced by Gerard Depardieu, helps him grieve his. Uh, I think his mother. <gasps> my or father, his father, the death. hero. My father, no, the hero. No, no, my father, the hero, is where Catherine Heigl is put in a in a. Well, I don't like to classify women's fashion, but she's put in an inappropriate bathing suit based on the age that she was in. And she has a romance, I think, with, um, oh, gosh, maybe Robert Wagner's son or something. I can't remember. But oh, Gerard Chiquita. Hmm? Chiquita. Chiquita. Yeah, the Long Island Chiquita. That story about the, the Long Island Chiquita? No, 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 no. That was, I think that's the, uh, oh, gosh, that's the the Amy, the Amy, what's her name story? And Alyssa Milano Adam played. Smart. Amy no, Smart. No, yes. no, Amy Smart. Amy Anna. Smart is a <laughs> Amy Smart is a gifted actress who who captured our hearts in I think Road Trip, um, that that very funny Breck and Maya movie. And Amy Adams is someone who you think uh, Sandra Boynton deserves an Oscar before Amy Adams gets one. First of all, I didn't it, I didn't mean to say Amy Smart. I meant to say Elizabeth Smart. What's she oh. from? She did good. I work. love her. I love her. She's the third twin. You know what? I'm sick to my stomach, Pat, about who you think you're talking about right now. Elizabeth Smart is is a is a young woman who was who was kidnapped and now she is free and she's telling her story. And I think you're referring to Elizabeth Olsen. <laughs> who is the youngest sister, who is burning up the screens of Disney Plus right now in WandaVision. I've been uh, watching WandaVision, and I uh, make, uh, let me tell you, I understand every part of it. Katherine Hahn is a storyteller, and I'm going to listen to whatever tale she she spins on her storytelling wheel. Don't you feel like this is her time? Like she's coming into her mm-hmm. own, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, or, you know, Anchorman, she was in that. She was the friend. Right. She should have been the Christine Applegate character. I'll she was the it. woman. Right. The woman. There were two women in it. One. I don't think Christina. so. I think it was t- one woman. They had to walk around in a circle around the back of the camera and come back as a different woman. Oh, she was. OK. OK. Then I'm wrong. But it was. But Catherine Hahn. She was um, so funny. Are you thinking about Step Brothers? Are you thinking about Step Brothers? I love that one. Was she on Golden Girls? You know, if you go on YouTube right now, speaking of re- reboots, Catherine Hahn, like 10 years ago, was in uh, a, an American version of Absolutely Fabulous um, <gasps> with the lady. And I mean, it, it never went, I don't think it went very far, but you can watch a little bit. She's she's phenomenal. Who was she? Was she Patsy or Adina? Oh my gosh, this is a cultural blind spot for me, Max. I don't know. Uh, I don't know which is which. Um, I think she's the one with the daughter. Okay. I wonder who else was in that with her. That wouldn't translate to America. They tried to do that with Kath and Kim too, I remember, with Selma mm-hmm. Blair. Mm-hmm. Selma Blair? Hi. That project with her was so scary. Which project? I didn't like it. The Selma Blair project where she was, um, they found her in the woods. In the woods? In the woods, yeah. No, Amelia Bedelia, that's the Blair Witch Project. That's the one where they go into the woods and they're they're doing a documentary. But then we later found out they were actually gifted actors 
um, playing, pretending that they were doing a documentary. You know, we left the woods for a reason. Why is everyone trying to go back yeah, to the woods? What, yes, mm. thank you. That's what I'm saying. If you want to be a person who goes into the woods voluntarily, you're signing yourself up for death. And that's why I'm so disappointed in Taylor Swift right now with her new album, just where it's it's celebrating the woods. It's putting the woods on a pedestal. And I mean, no, Taylor, that's a very dangerous place for your fans to go. You remember when Justin Timberlake did Man of the Woods and everybody just kind of let him? Yeah, we didn't say anything. And shame on us. Shame yeah. on us. What did he do? What did he do? He did that that one song that was like, I brag about you to everyone uh, something. Because I'm a man of the woods and I'm a, uh, didn't catch. The woods should have so, yeah. kept him. You know, this is so interesting to me because you are the one, Bert, who's always aware and you're always able to keep us accurate. I get more confused. I'm not going to lie to you because that's not what friendship is. Mm-hmm. I'm no clearer on any of the things that you said because I also have the recall of a goldfish. But I like that you're you're keeping us um, our feet to the fire, as it were, about this kind of thing, because you're really plugged in, you know, you're really plugged into film and media, stuff like that. But you got to be you got to be in my line of work because you have to be on top of things um, because, you know, the culture can shift at any moment and you have to be able to talk about it. Which does remind me. Uh, would you mind telling everybody how we met? Because the I think it's such an interesting story, and I think it just kind of feeds right into what we're talking about here. Yeah, well, I um, I lead Disney cruises, and I also participate in uh, in facilitating people finding the Disney timeshare that is going to work best for them and their needs. Um, and so the three of us all met uh, when the two of you were on an Alice in Wonderland themed. Uh, two-day cruise. It was an Orlando out and back. Um, we went to a private island and then back. Uh, uh, oh, did we? I thought we were in Orlando the whole time. <laughs> okay, that's... No, we were, we were actually... We were actually on the water for a good deal of the time. We left... We left the port. Uh, that was the, that was an experience because, you know, we've done longer cruises. We've done the Disney Magic and the Disney Wonder, but this one was so different. If it had been 15 minutes shorter, it would have been a tremendous why bother. But it wasn't. And that's what that's what these people do so brilliantly. They they have scientists who are analyzing the data and being like, wait, uh, a one day, 23 hour, 30 minute cruise is going to be. A why bother? But if a one day, twenty three hour, forty five minute is going to be a trip of a lifetime, and the, and the picture that we took on that final day—that's the screensaver on my computer. Oh it my is god! Not. It is, is so. It is so. You look gorgeous, Mags. Oh, and I was so I, burnt. I probably looked like I did look like a bit of a victim. You know, I got burnt, but I don't remember being outside. I don't know how that happened. I mean, if memory serves, Pat, you walked on on board. And you said, there's only two problems with my hands right now and that there aren't a banana daiquiri in both of them. And, Bandex. And, Bandex. Bandex. Yeah. Bandex. And so uh, you had, there was, a, there was a server there that you were just, you were paying in cash, even though we had been explicitly told not to. But you were slipping her uh, 40, $40 at a time, like two, 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 sometimes two twenties, sometimes four tens, sometimes eight fives, um, or a combination of those three different denominations. And, uh, and you said, um, Helen, it's your job to make sure that these palms are bandaxed at all times. We have, uh, you know, we have a certain set of rules, the two of us, when we go on vacation, which is often and God willing soon, but Mm. the, you Mm. know, one of the rules is 
be unforgettable to the wait staff. Because if you are unforgettable to the wait staff, you will be treated well. So mm-hmm. we treat them well. We want them to know us. We want them to see the two of us and be like, uh-oh, there's a bandac and a pinko coming. Pinko, mm-hmm. obviously, pina colada. <laughs> but they, we want them to know, here come these two, look out. And the three of us, it, it, it felt like 4th of July without... Uh, a, like a, a necessary, like a thunder shirt. It felt like a safe, happy 4th of July uh, when we met. There was so much chemistry. And and Megs, you were the one who told me about like that. Oh, it's important to make a good impression. And I remember you were like, you have to Natalie call them. You have to Natalie call them. And I said, what do you mean? And you said, you have to be unforgettable. Absolutely. And we do it like Natalie Cole because it is a duet. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a conversation with the past. Yep. Yep. And and I, I just remember those times, like sometimes you could just tell that the server was was relieved that they were at our table because we would chat with them like 15, 20 minutes. And, and I remember the maitre d' came over at one point and said, is everything OK? Uh, and we said, yeah, we're fine. Um, mm-hmm. And then we were talking about some voluntary medical procedures that one of us was doing at the time. I can't remember. But uh, and the other tables, they would glare at us because yeah. we were just having the time of our lives talking with the server. And yeah. uh, they didn't have that same relationship. And to that, I say, well, step up your game. Yeah, I felt like I wanted to kidnap a slash rescue them because I didn't realize the conditions under which they lived, which are mm-hmm. Very bad. They're very oh, bad. Now. Yeah. 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 Now we, we know, know it now. We know better. So we'll do better. Yeah. And I want to say up front, you know, I think it's, I've said this a, a million times, but I'll say it again. I'm so glad that I dropped my lawsuit against you for talking me into that timeshare because you were doing your job and mm-hmm. I was bandaxed and mm-hmm. I signed all the paperwork mm-hmm. and you know what? It'll all sort itself out in, in the end. And it's not with our friendship for me to have gotten litigious with you. Yeah. And I think that's, what's the beauty of our friendship uh, Pat, is that we understand you can sue a friend and still maintain the friendship. You don't have to let a lawsuit affect a, a two and a half year relationship. And you know what? But the, an- the, real- the reality is I did it. I purchased a timeshare mm-hmm. I can't afford that is also flooded. Mm-hmm. You know what? You didn't have to tell me it was flooded per Florida state law. No. And and I should have asked, is it currently flooded perpetually? And I remember you were so attentive at the at the meeting. And I remember an hour three of my presentation, you know, you, your eyes were so uh, alert. And I I felt it in my heart. And I was like, Bert, you need to tell her. That, that this timeshare is so close to the, the feral raccoon sanctuary. But I, I was like, you know, it's, that's not on my bullet point list. I'm just going to gloss it over. And, uh, and I, I regret that moment. I mean, that's a sliding doors for me. If I could take that back, I would, but I can't, so I won't. It's your job. That's, it's your yeah. job. But that also, you taught us something, which is mm-hmm. you taught us um, always go together. 
You know, mm-hmm. if it, that's the one time that I thought I'm going to go see if I can do this painting workshop. And she was like, okay, cool. You know, she didn't feel like doing it. So she's like, I'm just going to Wanda. And, and I think, um, I think we learned, you know, there's safety in numbers. We shouldn't have split up. Mm-hmm. That's on me almost, you know, I, you know, th- that's, I, I would blame myself more than I would blame you for that. And it was so cool that she wanted to do pointillism. I didn't realize you could learn yeah. pointillism so quickly. Yeah. yeah. It's that's a 60 minute scale. If you can't, master pointillism within 60 minutes, then there's something wrong with the teacher. Let me ask you this. And here's something I came away wondering. Is the technique called pointillism? That's the movement. Isn't the technique called stipple? Yeah. Yeah. Also, is that stucco? Is that the same thing? Is that what it is? I think stucco is like a texture mm-hmm. on a ceiling. I don't know. There was a French gal, uh, Marguerite Stipple, and she um, she was the one. She had such tiny brushes because she had um, very, very delicate fingers. And so she was the one who um, really uh, pioneered the technique of, of pointillism. And we, we call it stippling. Yeah, Marguerite Stipple. Amy Adams is going to play her in a biopic next year, directed by Sophia Coppola. <gasps> they all wear roller skates. Biopic. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, roller skates? Oh, my mm-hmm. God, I love that you say biopic, and I love that you just said roller skates, I'm in. You know what? What? I just thought of, remember when we went and we watched uh, the Disney, the on the cruise, we watched the the old black and white cartoons. Oh, that was so, so sweet. Oh, that was such a fun little, I can't believe we had time to sit down and watch a movie, but they did like a little uh, Disney shorts in there. So we got to see like Steamboat Willie. We got to watch a, a rare, but deep cut Donald Gets Drafted, which is one of the only Disney shorts. Donald, you know, of course, joins the army. And that's the only time you hear his middle name. Oh, what's his middle name? Fauntleroy. Really? Yeah, Donald Fauntleroy Duck. Remember, it it appeared on the draft certificate. Oh, right, right, right. And that's why you were shouting Fauntleroy at the bar that night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought everybody was in on it. I don't always remember, but I'm a careful watcher in the moment. Well, I didn't stay for the for the Q and A with the uh, the film scholar afterwards, so I I didn't pick up on that. Well, you know, the two of us can't walk away from a post show Q and A. Oh my gosh! The two. Well, that's why I stopped going to shows with you because even if there's not a post show Q and A, the two of you will will stay. Q and A, Q and A, Q and A. We. Can't. I can't believe that they don't come out and do that because, excuse me, we're begging for it. Don't you want to talk more about the the thing that you just did? Yeah, share share your process. I mean, Mags, what would you say has been? the favorite Q&A that that the three of us have been to. The three of us? Yeah. Oh, my individual one was when I went to the post show Q&A at the Qualms. But my but the, the one the Oh, wait, tell that us, story. Tell that story. Okay, so remember, okay, so uh this one was Pat and I were at the Qualms and we were um we were watching a friend of us uh, was in it, uh David Pasquazi, actor David Pasquazi. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's like, so oh. scary. He's so frightening. He's like, if your dad, your friend's dad, no, your dad's friend, your friend's dad. What did I say? Your dad's your friend. Dad's, your dad's friend. He's stern and you never know because he looks at you and you're like, are you kidding? Are you being serious? And you don't know and you never will because he'll never tell you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He did. Yeah. So he was in the qualms, which is a show about swingers. And it's, uh, you know, they invited new new people over to do it. And the, and the, the lady, one of the, I think that the lady is just nervous to do it. And you know, that, but it's like a real get to know you. And uh, the, the, it ends with essentially all of them, you know, it's kind of anticlimactic. It wasn't my favorite, but it ends with all of them kind of around a big bowl of banana pudding. And they keep referencing those monkeys, bonobo monkeys. 
Mm-hmm. Bonobo? Bonobo. What is I think Bonobo, yeah. Bonobo. I don't, that's, that's one of the, if you play that uh, New York Times uh, spelling bee, that's a great word to spell if, if three of the letters are B and an O, because you can spell Bonobo with those three letters. Anyway, go on. But at the post-show Q&A, uh, you know, it, it was a whole, uh, there were a lot of questions about, about banana pudding and, and bonobo monkeys. And and one of the people uh, made me so uncomfortable because he kept talking about how the the banana pudding was, um, uh, you know, uh, it symbolized them getting ready to just jump right into a big group orgy. He kept calling the pudding ooey and gooey. And it was um, uh, one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard. And that was, the, but that was a blast for me to overhear. Oh my God. And did Dave Pasquazi just level that audience member with one of his patented stern but disappointed looks? He did not. I wish he had. It's oh. like, this is what we paid for. Yeah, yeah. And that's just a reminder to artists, like your job is not done when the curtain call, you have to, you have to still be ready to, to, to put audience members in place during a post-show q and I remember when the three of us, I think it was for Pat's 48. I, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, don't go putting it. Okay. Well, too late. Okay. Sorry. But we, um, we had tickets to uh, the Sweet Bird of Youth at, at, at the Goodman uh, with Diane Lane and Finn Whitrock, you know, and he's on, he's, he's become a big star since cause he was, um, he's on, uh, American Horror Story taking a shirt off and getting covered in blood all the time. Which one is that? Because that sounds like a character from the Flintstones to me. No, he's that he's that young handsome boy who um, he's got a square. He's in all of he, he's in all of uh, Ryan Murphy's shows. Say his name again. Finn Whitrock. That's a Flintstones name. You can't convince me it's not. Well, I mean, I, I don't have to convince you because when you look him up on Wikipedia, you'll convince yourself. I um, bet his real name was already taken. His real name's like. David Cockfield. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. His name was Dustin Hoffman. And they were like, no, you have to be Finn Whitrock now. His name His name was Johnny Voigt. And they were like, nope, you're Finn Whitrock now. Uh, Johnny oh, Voigt. that's his name? I just texted my niece, who is Finn Whitrock? And she sent me back a picture. The, the thing I like about your relationship with, um, with your nieces, Max, is that texting gets you a faster answer than Wikipedia. Yep, because you know I'm going to do it wrong and I'm going to type it wrong. Yeah, but that was one of my favorite Q&As because um, Diane Lane came out and and she was carrying her yoga her yoga mat on a strap and um, implying that she was going to do yoga later. And and we were all like, oh, I wonder where Diane Lane's going to do yoga. And we, and we got into a big fight about it. And, and Pat kept on saying, oh, she'll do yoga. She's going to do yoga at a uh, at, at 24-hour fitness center. And I was like, they don't they don't have yoga classes at 24-hour fitness center. And Pat was like, no, they do. Well, for Diane Lane, they would. I mean, if Diane Lane walked in and said, I'd like to do yoga, you think 24-hour fitness is going to say, we don't do that here? No. They're open all day. They can figure it out. Oh, I was just going to say, she could do yoga under the Tuscan sun or under the Tuscan moon or oh, anywhere in between. 24-hour. Diane Lane could walk into a Sears automotive center and say, I'm here for a 60-minute hot Hatha yoga class. And those oil technicians would say, namaste, meet me in child's pose. It's so true. There are just some actresses that you just say, excuse me, you're not going to say we don't do that here or whatever, or are you okay? You know. But I feel like Sandra Boynton can get away with anything. She could do what she wants because she's American. She really is. She's incredible. I don't know what she's doing to herself, but keep going. This Boynton Bullock confusion is making me so mad. I'm going to, I'm going to punch my hand through the drywall and get myself a boxes fracture. You know, I, I'm not trying to ambush you here, but, but talking about all this stuff and how knowledgeable you are, you know, I would really like it if, you know, you write all these reviews of movies mm-hmm. and stuff and television and, and you They're never. They're all on my you know, blog. 
Well, but that's not real. I mean, no one reads that, right? No one can read a blog because you have to go on the internet and everything. I really think that you should try again to, you know, have it be put somewhere where normal people, you're only reaching people who read blogs, you know, and who's that? Yeah. Yeah. Don't you feel like it's just a lot of people who are looking for like fan fiction? That's what I think blogs are. Yeah, maybe I just got it twisted in my mind, but I feel like blogs are for people who are doing fan fiction and, and, and only that. And here's the thing I value about our friendship, because, um, you know, Pat, you're able to give me such brutal advice in such a compassionate and loving manner. And, and sometimes I think, oh, this is, this is passive aggressive because through meeting me, she lost, she's $170,000 in debt on a, a timeshare that um, is flooded and invaded by raccoons. But no, I mean, you are able to speak your heart's truth in such an authentic way. And you're right. I mean, I do get the analytics from the blog every month and no one is, um, is, is reading it. Um, and I mean, you stop even, doing fanfic. Well, and that's such a good idea. Cause I, I have been writing, I have been kind of writing my fan, like, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing the fundraiser where Robin Hood meets Romeo and Juliet. That's, that's just a, a zoom fundraiser for the St. Petersburg players that they uh, commissioned from me. But yeah. I mean, that's my lane. I could do fanfic, no problem. I mean, it kind of is already, right? Well, I just have, I, I just have a curious nature. So whenever I watch a program, like give me a program, give me a, a TV show or a facts of life. All right, facts of life. What if, uh, what if Mrs. Garrett had a um, had a, 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 a loving relationship with George Clooney's character? I can't remember the, the handyman from when Cloris Leachman. And I mean, and His that name would was be George. His George. George. Yeah. So what if? So what if Mrs. Garrett comes? to Cloris Leachman's candy store one day looking for some nonpareils and no one else is there. But George Clooney is like, I can get you some candy. And um, he takes the, the plastic bag from off the counter and he, he, he loads it underneath the, the gummy rupia barrels and their two fingers intertwine. And then he just delicately places a rupia barrel on, on the tip of uh, Charlotte Ray's lower lip and oh, that. Yeah, I mean, it, it writes itself. Here's what I love about that. Charlotte Ray had left the show mm-hmm. and Cloris Leachman took over as Beverly. Yeah. But this is outstanding because in this in this version, we get both of them. Yeah. Which I love the sexual tension between Clooney and, and Charlotte Ray, but also, oh, wow, to, sh- to see the screen shared with those two legends, those two absolute legends what you just did feels like asthma you know that thing where you can go and they they talk have you guys seen this on the internet the asthma i do the lady brushing my hair what you did bert was asthma it felt so good to hear you talk about it, taking that little rupee barrel i like asthma when people said you should try asthma i was like what's that and then first it was the chewing one but then the hair brushing and that's what that felt like you know you're just good at things i don't know what else to tell you you're knowledgeable yeah. but you're also you're just naturally gifted at stuff like this it's true also you know i hate mouth noises it's my least favorite thing in the world um so i just immediately thought asthma wasn't for me but if it's different, better things, I will try it. Oh, I mean, mouth, mouth things are just, um, are just one dot on the, 
on the uh, spectral line uh, that is asthma. It's one point on the pointillism. Mm-hmm. It's one stipple. Mm-hmm. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, you know, it's a it's a vote of confidence, truly. You know, reach out to the paper and say, I have all these opinions, and I'm putting them on the internet when no one can reach them or find them. You know, or just people like um, who sit at home and just whatever. I just think that that's something you might want to think about doing this year so that it, it really gets out there. Well, I try to do, I try to Eleanor Roosevelt it and do one thing a day that scares me. So yeah, I will, I, I will reach out to the local newspaper and you know what? I'll also to take, to take your note mags, I will transform my blog into, um, into fan fiction. And we're going to finally able to see Columbo and Jessica Fletcher having a uh, beautiful consensual relationship while they solve murders. If you only knew what that just did to me, Pat, go ahead. Excuse me, one more thing. Oh, oh God. I, my, I got like an electric jolt in my spine because I thought Peter Falk was on the, on the Zoom meeting. Well, this one was Columbo she was doing. That, that was Columbo. Peter Falk played Columbo. Are you sure? Yes. Who who do you who do you think in you, in your little Amelia Bedelia brain who do you think played Columbo? Well, who's Peter Sellers then? No, it was he, Peter Feller. Peter Feller. Do it again. Okay, ready. This is when he's wearing the coat and he said something, and the person who he said it to is oh, they're spinning now, and he turns around and says, "Ow, excuse me, what about thing?" I mean, it's it's nuanced. It's. It's respectful. It, it, it brings it brings the late Peter Falk to life, which I love. Oh no! I I he died. Yeah, I do believe he's passed. Yeah, yeah. We got to be careful with these with her because she gets caught off guard. Well, the thing about Pat is she's a radical empath. So even if even if it's someone that she has never met before, um, you know, she take if she hears that they died, her eye she she she'll she'll be leaking tears. For the next yeah. 40 minutes. It's just shocking when you hear that someone has passed, you know, it's, I'm shocked because what, especially when they're famous. Cause you think, Oh God, are we not at the point where, you know, cause Walt Disney's frozen, right? Isn't that true? Well, yeah. I think that's, I think that's the accepted consensus. You work for them. Uh, but what is the, what's the company line there on, on, on whether he's frozen and he's coming back or whatever. Well, I am, I am technically a contract employee for a subsidiary division um, that uh, that helps book the cruises and also uh, facilitates timeshare locations. Um, but I, I think they generally accepted company policy that um, his his frozen remains are um, underneath the fountain in front of um, Cinderella's castle. Now, you know what is fascinating about that? First of all, I wanted to ask... Of all the places that you could buy with Disney Vacation Club, I wonder why you sold it the Swamp One. We could have gone to one at the Boardwalk. There's a whole that's a whole Disney Vacation Club community at the Boardwalk Resort, which I love. Well, Megs, thank you for uh, for making a, a wonderful point. Yeah, there are many more desirable properties than the ones that I um, showed to Pat uh, the day that she was alarmingly drunk on on banana daiquiris. And but I was new to the timeshare community at that point. And they, there's an expression in the timeshare uh, community that you have to sell it's sell low to get high. So you have to sell the, the undesirable properties first before they give you access to uh, to, to your boardwalk, to your, you know, to your to Disney Vacation Club Paris properties. You know, they're not going to give you the big the big guns right away. 
So are they, are they in this course, are they like encouraging you to get Pat to buy multiple? Yeah, I mean, they say um, that that's another, that's like a two hour training thing where they say two is better than one. Um, and if you can do the double sell, which is a, it's a logical conundrum to try to convince someone that two timeshares are going to be advantageous for them uh, vacation wise. Um, that's a, that's going to be something they will make use out of. Um, through a year, but um, but there there are some there are some people who can do it. You know, I had sucrose poisoning that day, so that made me an easy target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was less alcohol in it, more of that banana syrup. Yeah. Well, I just remember how your tongue was just coated with a thick yellow grime, um, and that was alarming to look at. And I and my my manager pulled me over and said, um, "You think you're going to be able to sell that jaundiced lady?" a uh a timeshare and i said no she's got she's got plenty of iron she's um she's just she's just hopped up on the bandax well i think jaundice is the amount of bilirubin in the blood right oh gosh max you're so right and if i had a time machine and i could go back right now and say oh, sliding doors oh gosh uh take me away gwyneth paltrow Who? oh my god no 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 pat who's pat, that you know, you know who Gwyneth Paltrow is. Her mother is Bruce Banner. Oh, the monster. Her mother is Blythe Dana, who originated the part of Mrs. Jefferson and the OBC of 1776. Now she's not black. No, she's no, she's you're right. Blythe Dana is is Caucasian. And but she she's You uh, mentioned Mrs. Jefferson, and there's only one to me. Thank you very much. Wheezy. It's Wheezy. Okay, yeah. I think you're referring to Hamilton, uh, where they do have colorblind casting. Uh, Martha Jefferson is not a character. Um, she's not visible on stage at any point in Hamilton. And that's that's why it was so embarrassing during the Q&A um, after we saw the Hamilton tour. And you said, I have a question for the lady who played Mrs. Jefferson. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda had to explain that, that there was no such character. That's tricky, though, because remember in the Act One opener... When he's singing, what did I miss? He says, Sally. And you think that the, you know who it is. It's his mistress. Well, it, it, there's a lot of bad, not, I wouldn't call it mistress, victim. But but who knew that uh, Jefferson's wife, first name was Martha? We all thought Washington. There's only one Martha in the game. It's Washington. So when he said Sally, we assumed. And I'm not a thousand percent that it's that her first name is Martha. And I might be confusing Blythe Dana might have played John Adams' wife. I think she played Abigail Adams. It's been so long since um, I've seen a good production of 1776. We've seen some bad productions. Of we sit down, John. We've seen some horrible, <laughs> oh, horrible God. productions. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Where are they finding these colorblind casting directors? And how colorblind can you be that you don't notice someone's, uh, you know, that, I mean... For what I assumed always was colorblind. You know, you get that test when you're in about the fifth grade and they're like, can you see the number five or is it the number six? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I think no matter how colorblind you are, you're going to notice if someone's, you know, this is a person who's of a different race than the other person. So is it they have to, what is that, like one casting director who's actually that colorblind that they're like, great. And then they're like, they, you did a good job because those people are, what is it, how is it working, you know? Is this an Amelia Bedelia situation? Because is it? I, well, this this is probably my fault because now I I don't know if I used the right expression and I might have actually 
been very insensitive. I, I don't know. What's the word when you, when you, you don't care about the race of someone that you're, you're, that you're looking past the race and you're, you're just going to cast whoever. Um, oh, open-minded? Yeah, yeah. So open-minded cast. Oh, so this isn't because, this isn't like a bomb-sniffing dog. No, it's not like a, a red-green confusion. Okay. What does okay. that mean? Red-green? Isn't that a show, Canadian? I, I, I mean, I think it's just when what I see as the color red, you would see as green. Oh, is that what happens with colorblind people? I believe so. But I mean, I've never met one, um, so... Are there Canadian shows on Bird Box? Yeah, there's uh, a couple with. Um, oh gosh, it's there's uh, there's a bunch of them. There's there's one called uh, Jim Carrey explains the Mounties. There's. Um, Did they do oh, a Dudley Do Right? Yeah, it was a tie into the Brendan Fraser uh, vehicle. That's interesting. I thought he was so busy with Prices Right. Brendan Fraser? No, Jim Carrey. Oh, Drew yeah. Carrey. Drew Carrey. Drew oh, Carrey. I thought he was from Cleveland. I he is from Cleveland. Oh but it was so God. close. It's just over the lake, right? It's over that one lake, and then all of a sudden you're in Canada. Yeah, I just I asked about the Canadian shows, because if, if Breadbox has those, because I want to know what they're doing. They're so close, and we should be able to understand each other, but every time I see something that's really Canadian, I'm like, I don't get this. Oh, my favorite, you know, my favorite uh, show of late, uh, Winona Earp, Canadian. She's so good. I'm liking that, and with an E. That's Canadian? Green Gables? Is it yeah. Canada? Prince Edward Island, go to a fantasy paradise. Oh, heaven on earth. I Isn't love he? fantasy paradise. That's the one with the little guy, right? That yells about the plane. Oh, Peter Dinkles. Yeah. I like that show a lot because it was like, oh, it had riddles. It had little people, right? And dreams and puzzles. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best shows, the best shows are going to have dreams and puzzles. If you don't have a D and a P in a show, then you're not telling a good story. But yeah, Anne with Green Gables, Anna Green Gables is based on a, a Canadian novel. And I actually am, I, now I'm thinking Anna Green Gables is ripe for fan fiction. The only thing I'm getting these days is CBS. Is anything on CBS? I do CBS All Access and I regret it. But I did it for the noblest of reasons. Three to words. To support Christine Baranski. Yep. Three words. The good one. And then the good fight. Oh. Continuation. If if there is anything I can do to support Baranski and also shoot Delroy Lindo. Delroy Lindo. Yes. Oh Delroy my Lindo. God. If you look up acting in a dictionary, Delroy Lindo's visage should be in the definition spot because that man, he is able to embody a character. Oh, he is so good. Delroy Lindo's amazing. The, you know, the thing about The Good Wife is it did actually make $9.99 a month worth it. If you haven't, Pat, have you watched The Good Wife? No, I'm only getting JAG mostly, I think. I'm on some kind of, somehow I got, I must have accidentally clicked something that it's all JAG. You got the David James Elliott channel? David J- DJ. That's a serial killer. No, no, no. He's a he's a handsome actor, a square jawed actor who played um, uh, a courtroom lawyer. Anyway, back to the Good Wife. Wait, is that the guy from Jack? Yeah, David James oh, Elliott. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, on yeah. an episode of Medium. He was on an episode of Medium with Patricia Arquette, which I am currently watching, which I love. Oh my gosh, Patty Arquette. I mean, she can have chemistry with a can of Campbell's soup. She is so right. good. I couldn't agree more. Okay, what were you going to say about the Good Wife? Because I love it. Oh my goodness! Uh, well, first of all, how far into uh, you're you're done with it, right? I've completed the Good Wife. I have not completed the Good Fight. Neither have I, uh, and I'm savoring it. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I because uh, if you had told me, Bert, there's a show where Audrey McDonald is on for several seasons and she never sings, and you are going to love it, 
I would have said, I'm going to knock the teeth out of your throat right now. Yeah. And you're going to pick him up with broken fingers. Audrey McDonald on that show playing that role is phenomenal. I love, you know what I love about the first, uh, what, season or two of, of The Good Fight? Mm-hmm. Is that there was a redheaded young girl and they were like, we don't need her. Yeah. We don't even need her. Her story doesn't matter. Give it to Baranski. Go back Give to it. Winterfell, redheaded girl. Oh, what's that? That's that's Game of Thrones. She's she played the she played the the young woman on Game of Thrones. She was like, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Uh, and then she went on the Good Fight, where where her mother Bernadette Peters was involved in a Ponzi scheme. Yes, Bernadette Peters was also. I wanted to say this. There was uh, somebody else we mentioned who was an on. Uh, oh, Natalie Cole and Bernadette Peters both guest starring roles on Grey's Anatomy. Oh my goodness. It's always the same kind of case on JAG. It's where someone who's in the military, you know, does something that may just be military bad. And it feels, you know, empty sometimes because I think, have I seen this one? And it turns out I probably have, or I haven't because it's the same either way. And Pat, I have a question for you. For you, what is the difference between military bad and regular bad? Oh, good question. I feel like when it's military bed, it's something that, you know, because they, you know, make in your bed. And and also, you know, it's like, um, oh, you ever an ambassador to the countries that we destroy? So be good. You know, when you're destroying it, there's a per- specific way that we, you know, decimate other peoples and the countries and the buildings. But yeah. we want you to do it this very specific way. You know, because it reminds me of that movie that was Jag. What's that movie that's Jag where they oh, killed that somebody? Was a few good, a few good, a few good men. Yeah, that one where they said you killed somebody, but you didn't do it right. You did it the wrong way, and that's really where the it went sideways. Where they said, "Ugh, you should have done it different. You should have waited till we sent him somewhere and then killed him." And that's where it is. Feels like it's a, like a gray area that I don't understand. That's so that's what it, I, that's what the difference feels like, you know, to me. But I also, when I turn on Jag, I also am usually doing something else where I'm turned away from the screen. So it's more like a radio play. Mm-hmm. Well, and the best Jag episodes function as a as a radio drama, you know, because I think you can draw a straight line from from the shadow in the 1940s to to Jag of the early 2000s, and, and going back. Just, just real quick to circle back to a few good men and my fan fiction. I am, I'm on a second draft right now of a fan fiction about a few good men where Demi Moore's character uh, has a passionate weekend romance with Noah Wiley's character, like the the, the kid oh, who yeah. he, he testifies. He never dropped his rifle since after he got that code red. I thought mm-hmm. you were going to say Kevin Pollock's character because the tension between, you know, everybody always said, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Cruz and it's Cruz and more. Cruz and more. And no, 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 always, no, 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 no. It's Pollock, Pollock and, and more. Yeah. Because, oh, and you could just imagine the two of them having fun because he, he would be doing all his impressions. He would be doing. He would be doing Christopher Walken. He'd be doing Jack Lemon. He would. He would be doing. Uh, you know, uh, Colleen Dewhurst or something. And 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 now, Demi which Moore. Which one's that? Who's which one's that? She plays Marilla on um, a nineteen eighties adaptation of um, of Anna Green Gables, which was beautiful. She also played Murphy Brown's mother. She was a gifted stage actress. Oh, that which reminds me, the guy who played Miles on Murphy Brown popped up on an episode of Medium. Yeah. What did he play? What did he play? Well, a killer. 
one time on JAG, they didn't end it, and it said to be continued. And I thought, for who? You couldn't. Look, it's very easy to end this. Boy, I guess they thought it was a cliffhanger, but I thought I'm already, the cliff is about four inches tall and I stepped off it. Can I ask, do you enjoy Jag or are you just kind of watching it? It's the only thing when I turn power, it's the only thing on. It's on all the time. CBS that said, I think I damaged the the, the remote control or something because it's the only thing. So it's, I, I'm in a prison of Jag. I'm in, I'm in prison, whatever the military prison is. I'm in a military prison called Jag. Ooh. You know, I think you would, if we can get you out of that prison, I think you'd really like medium. And now is that just a, is it kind of even keeled? Is that what it is? Well, it's also a procedural, but there's more variety. She's not only in the military. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, it's a woman. A, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Patty Arquette, she plays a, a character uh, named Alison Dubois, and uh, she is a, a, a psychic of sorts, and it's based on a true story, and it's very good. Well, let me ask about this, because I'm curious, because, again, the way that you're able to tell us to just yell, no, 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 at us, I imagine that that is a part of the way that you uncle. And I find that really interesting, because it's the opposite of kind of a funkle where you're trying to, like, you know, oh, I'm so like you, and you're never wrong, and that kind of funkle energy. It seems like it's different. Now, tell us a little bit, and everyone listening, about how you uncle, what are your tips, what are your tricks, you know, what's your experience? Take us to your happy place. Take us to your nieces and nephews. Oh, my goodness. My, the, the lights in my universe, the stars in my sky. Uh, well, typically, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to really uh, pull out all the stops, of course, I'm going to be taking them to one of my timeshares um, in the Orlando area uh, where we're going to have a one to three to five to seven day experience at a Magic Kingdom property. Um, and, you know, that's, that's just for the, the, that's for your graduations, your first communions, your, um, uh, your bar about mitzvahs, um, anything um, uh, that needs to be commemorated with, like, you want to remember this. Um, and then, gosh, what a perk. What a perk of that job to get to share it with the kids. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, to be totally honest with you, Megs, it's, it's why I took the, the contract uh, in the first place. And, um, and especially with kids, they don't, they don't mind, you know, black mold as much as a, a purchaser would. They don't. They don't. Um, they don't jump when a raccoon um, scurries out of a closet uh, when you first walk in uh, to the property. Um, and then I'm trying to think of like when how how do I bring my no energy to the kids? Um, I guess it's whenever they they do something that I vehemently disagree with, um, and that's that's usually either not knowing Oscar trivia or um, confusing uh, um, an acclaimed actress for a different and acclaimed actress. So that's the only time I really feel like that, that white heart rage course through my, and that's when the no involuntarily uh, screams from my mouth. So that's pretty similar to when you get upset with us. It really is. Yeah. That's kind of like your button. Cause it sounds like mm-hmm. a lot of the time you're taking the kids and, and really kind of like in a good way, you know, kind of spoiling them and taking them to the timeshare and letting them pet, pet the, did you say pet the raccoons or whatever? The peaceful with it. That sounds well, really great. I mean, they, the raccoons in, in Florida are, they're like Olympic athletes, you know, they don't stand still long enough for you to, to for you to lay hands on them. So a lot of times it's like a, a bright light comes on. Um, usually after we've just entered the, the property um, and maybe like one or two rac- 
raccoons will just zip out of the door and then you can tell oh gosh they've been they've been living here for for quite some time mine are mine are more lethargic because the one time i went into the property to you know I was attempting to vacation there, and they seemed. Oh, that was fun! They, we had to pack hip waiters. We ended up staying at the uh, the Grosvenor Resort on uh, yeah. Hotel Plaza Boulevard. Yeah, that Governor yeah. Resort is so beautiful, and um, it wasn't that far from the the timeshare. But the raccoons, the, it was and, it, it was a van ride. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We had to call the van back from the airport, and they said we don't do that. And I said, "Yeah, goddamn, you're gonna do it." I'm telling, I can't stay here, so they sent yeah, it we, back. And yeah, we we pulled the we pulled the Whoopi Goldberg fully, and we were like, we, we, you know, Molly, you in danger, girl. We were like, we got to get out of here. This we is- was yeah. very in danger, but the raccoons seemed lethargic because they'd eaten. They're very rotund, you know. And also, people mm-hmm. said that some of them were actual swamp rats because I didn't realize. You know, not only are we very close to the big ocean, the water, but we were also yeah. on swampland. So, you know, that's interesting. It's it's different. And I wasn't, you know, nearly as afraid as I would normally be with a raccoon because they looked us dead in the eyes as though we kind of wandered into their home that they were having a meal. Like you had done something wrong. Yeah. Very much. definitely a, t- a territorial propriety. Yeah, I'll have to look into it. I mean, my first my first thought, Pat, is that they're lethargic because of the um uh the the horrifying amount of black mold that is in the property that you that you elected to buy. And so I think that is um just encouraging a, a certain slowness to their reflexes uh, or reactions. But yeah, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to figure that out. And 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 to your point, Mags, swamp rats are cousins of the raccoons. Um, they're both nocturnal animals. They both enjoy um, trash bags. They are both known to be friends with Pocahontas. So that's um, brings us back to you know being on the being on the ship. Mm-hmm. When you say Pocahontas, that brings us right back. Because, yeah. well, she's, oh, a, you know, again? she's, oh, well, she's right. a face character and she wasn't on that particular ship, but a Pocahontas is a Disney princess and she would have been if they would pay her any kind of respect as a uh, Disney princess. Do the kids like the Disney? Because I feel like my um, Tina and Jeremy, you know, my niece and nephew, they, they don't like Disney. You know, they say really bad words, you know, because mm-hmm. I got them Disney pajamas that I thought mm-hmm. was so cute and they well, won't when? wear them. More specific, I mean, more specific, more specific. Yeah. Oh, when okay. was this? Uh, the, this Where'd was you buy them? Last Christmas. I got them online from a real a retailer that, um, from a from an Etsy shop that did, you know, like fun um, Disney-inspired pajamas. And whoa, whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. You got you got your you got your niece Disney inspired pajamas. Well, I didn't. Got- yeah, I thought because I thought that you know I I oh okay I think I've okay now I see I can tell that I did something wrong. Well, if, I mean, you didn't do anything wrong. You made a choice that's antithetical to what I would make. But if you're not buying from a WDW brand, a licensed WDW brand, then. Uh, the money's not going to the right place, which is, of course, Walt Disney World property. Uh, well, I would be inclined to, in, to. I would be inclined to agree with you, Bert, if she hadn't spent a hundred oh, oh, upwards of one hundred seventy thousand uh, dollars. You know, she, she she doesn't have that much left. You know, we save. We truly save quarters to try and go on vacations, and she's saving up. But you know, one hundred seventy upwards of one hundred seventy thousand dollars on a property that she will never use and can never sell um, is, uh, you know. Give her a little leeway there because here's where we're getting into, you know, murky water, literal, actual, literal murky yeah. swamp 
Everglades water. I do have a reverse mortgage. Oh, it no. actually went back. Now it's forward facing again because it happened twice. And I will never figure out the paperwork because they're like, you're back. And I didn't know what that means. Well, and that's the wonderful thing about suspect properties. You know, the, the mortgage is always going to surprise you, maybe for good reasons, maybe for bad reasons. And uh, you're right. I shouldn't have come at you so hard for, for, for supporting an independent artist on Etsy. This was a felon. They're making it in jail. I didn't know you could get eBay or Etsy. What are, I can't remember. In jail. but So your kids like Disney or whatever? Your nieces and nephews, they like it or what? I, I would say they're profoundly indifferent. Um, a lot of the parents have actively not shown them Disney. Uh, what? Films as part of it. They're just saying, like, oh, it's not uh, a role model I want to describe. I don't, I don't want to have a conversation with my kid about about Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. And I don't, I don't want to put being a princess as the end all be all um, for a, for a young woman. Even and at so, present, what about Princess Merida or Rapunzel or Mulan? That yeah. was 1998 or yeah. Anna and Elsa. Well, you know, well, let's take them one by one. Cause uh, my, my brothers and sisters all have very specific reasons why they don't like different Disney movies. So in terms of Mulan, uh, my, my, my sister, Heather, hates uh, Donny Osmond and won't support anything that he's associated with. Um, he shouldn't have been the singing voice of, of Jang. That's for well, sure. And he why did he ever break up with his sister? Yeah, they were so happily married. Well, until she lost, I think until she lost Dancing with the Stars, when she fainted, Donny was like, no, I can't do this anymore. Um, you've disappointed me on national television. Uh, uh, well, what, remember when he came after Rosie O'Donnell publicly? Oh, God. And then was on the Christmas album? Two things you don't do, Mags. You don't buy a timeshare at a Disney-adjacent property, and you don't go after Rosie O'Donnell publicly. Thank you. I mean, can you imagine being so stupid as thinking like, oh, here's Rosie O'Donnell, a gifted stand-up comic who has been at the top of a game for 40 years, who is quick-witted, who has survived grief and trauma and um, abuse and abuse and um and you think you are gonna win a fight with her sorry you're not gonna win a fight with third baseman for the rockford peaches number 22 doris murphy you're not gonna yeah she is going to launch a verbal koosh ball at your most vulnerable spot and it is going to decimate you if rosie o'donnell ever had a mean thing to say about me i would say point taken and move on i agree 100 yeah. percent. all right so that's mulan brave. Uh, oh brave uh my my brother kevin hates bears and doesn't think they should be objectified as good uh maternal figures wow but the whole mama bear, papa bear, that's like in there. It's, it's in the thing. It's like, that's what we. Oh, they don't. That Goldilocks was banned. I, I bought, I bought my, uh, I bought my, my nephew, uh, Jacob, a, a beautiful uh, Goldilocks um, diorama um, that I had, that I had commissioned from a, a local artist friend. And, uh, and my cousin Kevin later confessed that he threw it out. And I mean, that was $150. It was $150. Okay. Now, I want to say this. We could have just said an unlicensed diorama of Goldilocks, but we didn't because you were supporting a local artist. I was supporting a local artist. And I do think Goldilocks is in the public domain now. So, Okay, fair enough. But I will say this. If Goldilocks isn't the epitome of white privilege, that girl should have had the cops called on her. She broke into their home. 
laid in all their beds, mm-hmm. stole their porridge. Nobody called the cops. Why? Because she's a blonde-haired white girl. That's so interesting that that's how you see her. Goldilocks. That's, that's, that says a lot about you. Gold. Goldilocks. You've never seen pictures. You've never seen an illustrated version of Goldilocks. Colorblind casting. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I mean, I get very uncomfortable because I'm now I'm nervous that like that is not a phrase and I just made it up and that I'm actually being very offensive. So hey, if we had any kind of production or budget on this show, we could say we'll edit it out in post, but we don't have that. So I don't think that if you just say something by accident, I mean, of course, the last few years have taught us that it's not necessarily the case. I've said things that I shouldn't have said, but then I, you know what? Then people say, don't say that, Pat, because you sound like an idiot. And then I don't say it anymore. And that's really, you know, that's, if, if nothing else, this will, this podcast will serve as a reminder that I've said some stupid things and that I get corrected. And then I just take my medicine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. God, one time I dated a guy who said, you got to take your medicine. And he meant sex. Oh God. Was it Ron? Was it Ron? Mm-hmm. It was Ron. I knew oh, it. Oh, good. I knew Jeez. it. That's, that's classic Ron. I swear to God, he's such to, an asshole. Oh, I, oh God. Oh, the audacity. Sick. The audacity. His favorite, great- Dis- his favorite Disney movie was the Lindsay Lohan bug movie. The car movie. Herbie. The Herbie. 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 Well, he, well Ron, Ron fancied himself a, a, a modern day Matt Dillon. And, he wishes. And he, was, he wishes. Of Ron. course his favorite movie was Herbie, Love Bug. Herbie rides again or whatever. Of course would, it was. He'd elbow me the whole movie and say, look at her. Look at oh, her. God. Like, I'm watching the movie. I can see her. There's no way not to see her. She's the star of the film. Where else she's, would I be looking? At the very least, watch Mean Girls where she's in high school. Is she? Well, wait, which one came first? Actually, no, don't me, watch Mean Girls. High school's worse, right? Yeah. Is she older in Love Bug? Yeah, she is old. I think Love Bug was two, 2006. Because I remember I um I did a a Herbie-themed eight-hour cruise out of um, Port Canaveral uh, that was just magical. And, you know, Dean Jones was there, Michelle Lee from the original Herbie movie, and we, we did a Q&A with them. Oh, I my asked, God, what did they have to say? Oh, they had lots of gossip. Because, well, you know, Michelle Lee, she was um, she was in the OBC of uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Even Trying. And so she was telling stories about Broadway. Broderick. Was, is that the one with Broderick? No, no, no! It's the one with like, uh, oh gosh, the, the fellow he was on Mad Men, uh, Robert Morris, oh, maybe Don Draper. Um, no, not Don Draper. Don Draper. Don Ham. John Ham is not a musical theater triple threat. Oh, he's I'd, very I'd threatening. Have you seen yeah. his pants? Yeah, I'd watch him. Remember when yeah. they? Remember when they made a mandate that you got to start wearing underwear, John Ham? I hate this country. Yeah. Why does he have to start wearing underwear? Who do you think you are telling him to put on underwear? You know what? You know what? Let me live a little bit. Don't you think it's funny that Britney Spears and Paris Hilton and all those girls who were getting out of cars and they, you know, they were shooting the beef pretty hard and, and they were photographed, and but and and then they're shamed publicly. And John Hamm is like, "Holy Lord, what's in there?" And but everybody's like, "Oh, could you do us a favor? You're too attractive." I'm sweating. He's. I'm sweating. God, you you've taken off three cardigans in the last two minutes, Mags. We saw the cardigans at um at a summer festival. Oh I think God, two years yeah, we ago. did. Also brings us back to Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. That fish tank. Oh. Yeah, they're just like they're talking to each other through the fish tank. That's that's why I got my betas after I saw Romeo and Juliet because I was yeah. like, oh, I want that kind of love in my life. You know what's funny though? It's it's so sad because they're such a beautiful fish, but you can't put them with other fish because they're mean. They're kind of like me. <gasps> You're not mean, but you You're are not beautiful. Mean. Well, You're I not say mean. I say no vehemently. 
recently, and I don't like that about myself. Well, if you well, hadn't, if you didn't do that, you would have a mostly underwater timeshare. And you know what? You really help people because you sell people things that they don't want to need, mm-hmm. and you do your job beautifully. And then you, but it gives you the foresight to not make the same mistake. And truly, that's you know what? I, I think I've learned something from you. You crying, Pat? No, I just realized that I have a bill from Kissimmee, Florida, sitting on my um, sitting on my table that I haven't opened. The thing about that is it's frustrating because it it doesn't even really. I mean, I guess Orlando adjacent is uh, the loophole, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not even technically Reedy Creek or you know Disney owned at all. What celebration? Why do I uh, hear so much about that? Celebration is a community that Disney owns. Essentially, is, that, is it it's also like, underwater? It's like oh, it's like Brigadoon. I love when it comes back. I hate when it's gone. Well, and that's what I I remember at the Q and A when we saw Brigadoon. That was your comment, and and the and the uh, stage manager said, "Uh huh." Well, do do you have a question, ma'am? And he goes, "No, I just I just hate when it's gone." Um, And they said, "Okay," and there was this that line of people up the uh, uh, up the aisle who were just bursting to ask a question about Brigadoon and and you were just standing there as confident as a white man who had read most of the summer reading assignment. I think here's the thing about that. That takes courage. That's vulnerability because anybody can just get up and ask a question at a yeah. Q&A. But who's going to get up there and just kind of say what they like and don't like about the show? Well, that was like an answer. I thought it was questions and answers. So my answer was, I'm sad when the town's not there. Excuse me. I didn't realize the only people who had answers were the people on stage. Yeah. And I think that's that's a missed opportunity for the the people. If, if you are providing an answer, then it is incumbent upon one of the actors to provide the question. You know what you provided, Pat? An answer. An A-U-N-T-S-W-E-R. Oh, put that on a bucket hat and I would buy it for nineteen ninety five on your merch site. Oh, I'll set. We'll we'll put that up on on uh, uh, Pancho Villa. We, which oh, we're still good. trying to figure out how to get a website going, but oh, we will. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I have to say that um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I think there's a there's a part of friendship that's about being challenged, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and inspiring us to bring out the best in each other. And again, you know, I had a little anxiety before we started the podcast today because I thought I knew what would happen, Bert. I knew I'd say something. And at some point, you would look near to like um, leaving and say yeah. no. And that, it makes me anxious, but it also makes me better. You know, not every friendship is about, you know, contentment or happiness or peace, peace of mind or whatever. Your friendship is about challenging me to be better. And I'm, I'm really going to take that to heart, you know. And your friendship to me is about being vulnerable and about being open to new experiences and um, to being uh, to being empathetic. You're welcome. What uh, if you guys had to say? Uh, what is my friendship to the both of you? You know what? Never mind. You're taking too long. And now, no, you have a good big. I was thinking that you know because you know Mags is Mags builds me up. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. She builds me up. 
you know. But she also will say, don't do that. So she's like in one person, both things. And that's why I looked like I did, uh, Megs, because I was thinking like, you just, you know, she is my dearest friend and I don't know what I'd do without her. And once I get too big, she pops me like a balloon and it's right back to just good old Pat. Yeah. I always say that on the highway of life, Megs is my guardrails. When I'm weaving too close to the edge, Mags is there to scrape against my sides and say, no, 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 there's a cliff there. Oh, wow, you guys. Thank you so much for saying that. Oh. Well, it's just true. It's just true. It's just true. It's just true. I just was feeling a little left out because you guys were both talking about like what you what you get from each other and what you mean to each other. And I thought, do I not mean anything to them? Because they mean so much to me. And, you know, if there was a way for me to let you guys climb inside to my heart and my brain so you mm-hmm. could see that, you know, Pat, you know how when you watch, you know how when you watch the uh, the news, well, when you used to be able to, Pat, you know how when you're watching Jag? Yeah, that's my news now. <laughs> Sometimes it's topical, so it works out. So there's a couple issues I'm very familiar with. I don't think it could be topical anymore because I think it went off the air like 10, 10, 12, 15 years ago. If you don't think the creators of Jag did not challenge themselves to write evergreen scripts about issues that humanity will forever be wrestling with, then you don't know the creators of JAG. I don't know the creators of JAG. Who created it? Fanfic. Donald P. Belisario, born August 8th of 1935, who wrote not only on Magna P.I., Tales of the Gold Monkey, Airwolf, Hold On to Your Panties, Quantum Leap, which gave us Scott Bakula, in various forms of undress. That's my Tom he's Brokaw. Your, he's, he's your touchstone. Donald Belisario is your touchstone. Yeah, you said Airwolf, and I thought, I think I've seen that. I definitely remember hearing about it. It was a helicopter st- story, right? Oh, gosh. Airwolf was a wonderful show. That one had Michael... Uh, Michael Jan uh, Michael... Jan Michael... He played basketball. Jan Michael Vincent. Jan Michael yeah. Vincent. Yeah. Jan Michael Ernest- Vincent played basketball? He turned into a dog. I honestly, I have Air Bud. I have zero Jay idea Michael what you're talking. Michael Vincent was Air. He was Air Bud. Yeah, no. in that movie, Teen Dog. I, I truly, I truly don't know what you're thinking about right now. But I would go to my grave saying that John Michael Vincent did not play a uh, a basketball player who turned into a dog. I don't even know if that's a. a Sometimes they use stage names. Well, that's on me. That's on me. Sometimes they do use stage names. Oh, my God. Wait, did you say that movie Teen Dog? Were you talking about Teen Wolf? Teen Dog. What? No, he's talking about a show called Airwolf. This is Teen Dog, where the guy turns and he's short. I don't even know why he's playing basketball to begin with, but then he thinks he'll be better if he's a dog. No, you're thinking about Michael J. Fox. Max, Max, she's absolutely thinking about Teen Dog, a real movie where... A, a young teenager believes himself to become a better basketball player when he transforms. That is, we just have to accept that this is Pat's world. We are merely guests here. That yes, there is a movie called Teen Dog about a high school sophomore or something who, and probably his parents are played by Allison Janney and Rick Moranis. And he works part-time at a local animal shelter. And one night, uh, a lightning strikes the animal shelter while he's helping groom a Sharpe and he becomes uh, a teenage dog who is also a basketball phenomenon. See? See? 
Well, that sounds a lot like Teen Wolf, wow. where Scott Howard, you know, his dad generationally yeah, is yeah, a werewolf. Yeah. He's a werewolf, and his dad owns a hardware store, and he surfs with his friend Styles on top of the van. I never would have seen that. Booth. I you never would have seen that. We talked about it. I've seen Teen Dog. I don't know this movie. Yeah, yeah she's only seen Teen Dog, uh, which again, um, I believe it was uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the, the, the child, yep. uh, the high school kid. And yep. he has um, he his high Bill, school crush. Now? No, is this, this is probably like, yeah, this was probably two thousand three, two thousand four. He was probably on a break from Third Rock from the Sun, and he was like, "Oh, what's this script? Teen Dog? I'm in. Oh, a chance to work with Janie, and Janie would would have been would have been white hot after uh, her run on on The West Wing, and she was probably thinking like, "Gosh, how do I top C.J. Craig? I know I'm going to play the mother of a of a high school kid." who accidentally gets transformed into a basketball playing dog. That's the, that's the kind of four quadrant pot that the, the three dimensional acting that I want to dig my teeth into. Wow. I'm going to have to look this up. Cause I just assumed you were saying teen wolf, but teen dog. Yeah, absolutely. Teen dog, go to teendog.com <laughs> and, uh, and you will see probably the, probably the screenplay is up there in PDF format. They got the whole screenplay up there. Well, they have the shooting script, and then I think they. I mean, if you got if you got Jandy Moranis and Joseph Gordon Levitt on on set, you're going to let those three eagles fly, and they're going to riff, they're going to prov. It'll be like yeah. a Christopher Guest movie. Oh God! I mean, now, now you know I love Allison Janney. I love Allison Janney. You know, when she first started acting, uh, her agent told her, "You're only ever going to be cast as an alien or a lesbian." Well, and that's funny because one of the two things that, well, I guess she did play a lesbian in The Hours. But I don't think, has she ever played an alien? I don't know. Remember on the West Wing when she and Mark Harmon were going to fall in love and then Mark Harmon's like, oh, I need to buy flowers at the drugstore. And he got shot. Oh, I just wanted CJ Craig to be happy. I wanted a character from, um, what's that one? Drop Dead Gorgeous. I wanted that character to be happy because that's one of my favorite characters she's ever played. But Alan Barkin should do more comedies. That's what I've always said. I love him. No, no, no. Not Alan Arkin. Alan Barkin. Alan Barkin. Alan Barkin was in Teen Dog. Yeah, he plays the coach who, and he's the one who who argues so passionately at the school board meeting about why they should allow a dog to play at the state championship. If I had to guess, there's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't play basketball. Well, you're basically quoting Alan Arkin verbatim right now when you say that. <laughs> this feels like Jag. Yeah. Because well, of all the minutiae, you know, they yeah. bring in a lot of the minutiae. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, have you seen the Inside the Actors studio with Catherine Bell? Because she talks about how Catherine, Catherine Bell... Bell- was the one from RuPaul's Drag Race that said, I know everything there is to know about the show and then got kicked off in the second episode? Uh, no, I don't know who that is. But Catherine Sasha Bell is... Bell. Sasha Bell. Sasha Bell. Yeah. Catherine Bell is, um, was the star, is the star of Jag. She's the counterpart to David James Elliott. Oh, no, I've never seen her. No. Wasn't it the serial killer that was the star? No, no. Catherine Bell is for sure the star of... She's It's, it's David James Elliott and then Catherine Bell... Uh, oh, and, wait. CSI. Yeah. Oh, remember remember our code? Pat and I used to have a code, which was if somebody was sleeping, they were watching CSI. But if they were having sex, they were watching CSI Miami. Wait, go over that with me again. If someone is sleeping... They're watching CSI. You know how sometimes when someone comes by and you don't want to admit, you know, or you pick up the phone, you want to admit that you were sleeping and you say, oh, oh, I was, um, did I, oh my God, did I wake you up? No, I was watching CSI. And then, you know... 
The other one is CSI Miami. CSI Miami. Well, listen, this could go on for hours. I really believe that I could do this for hours. I am so beside myself with happiness about Teen Dog that I don't know how to move on and how to end this, but we, we got to end this. Just like in the Teen Dog trilogy, <laughs> they had to end it. <laughs> I'm going to find that. Can you tell me what that, because I, it, this is all new to me. So what was the sequel and then what was the final? Teen Dog 2 is called, uh, Teen Dog 2, Mar- colon, March Madness is when um, Benjamin Bretner, who uh, played by jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he gets a scholarship um, to Purdue and um, it's a basketball scholarship, but he, but Does he get he, rabies? Do you want to tell the plot? Sorry. Sorry, I just realized that I think he gets rabies. Yeah, yeah. So he he has to he has to take classes as the dog if he's going to play as a dog. And uh, one of the the jealous fraternity brothers, who's played by um, uh, Jeff Stoltz, he uh, he att- he sets some feral some feral raccoons on, on top of Joseph Gordon Levitt's character. Joseph Gordon Levitt gets rabies, but then the beautiful veterinary student played by Ellen Emily Blunt um, is able to give him his rabies shot. Um, so he's able to go on court for um, the final game against, against Duke and, and they win. Oh, and they're, they're always the bad guys. Okay. So, so it's uh, teen dog too much madness. Teen dog too much madness. Oh, Duke, the dog from the beans. <laughs> yes, exactly. The, the dog from the beans is um, is is in this too. It's a cameo. It's kind of like an Easter egg. Right, okay. Right. And what's the title of uh, Teen Dog Three? Teen Dog Three is the Teen Dog Three. The GREs and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is um, studying for the GREs, but also at the same time because he didn't graduate because they made him take classes as a dog and he couldn't keep no. He couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't. His dog brain was able to understand it, but it didn't um, have the same synaptic elasticity as his human brain. So he's taking the GREs because he wants to go to graduate school. And then um, MTV Rock and Jock Basketball is going to pay him a million dollars if he plays. <sighs> and so he has to decide whether he's going to play Rock and Jock Basketball or or if he's going to take the GREs. And Two um, things. Two things about that. One, yeah. when you said GIE, I heard GED in my brain. And two, yeah. I miss Rock and Jock Basketball so much. I just want to see Dan Cortez have, having fun. Okay, so Rock and Jock or GIE. GRE and then and Dan Cortez gives a moving speech at the end. About, oh, they brought in Cortez. Oh, it's Cortez playing Cortez, and at first you're like, no, 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 but then he just he just has a vibrancy to him when he um and it, there's a playfulness and joie de vivre and um and that just communicates and he he tells the dog he goes hey we are going to be okay without you um and then uh and then MC Light actually says she'll play in the rock and jock basketball game. And she, that's a get. That's and a get. And she's like, I'll donate, I'll donate the million dollars they're paying me to uh, the veterinary shelter that you wanted to raise money for, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh my God. Wow. What a story. You have to see them. They're each about three hours long. And you're like, well, wait, why does it have to be so long? And then, then you start watching them and you're like, okay, I like the backstory. I like the, the emotional dynamic. Maybe the editors quit too. Oh. It was during that editing strike. 2004, all the editors went on strike. The ACE, just they, they threw up their hands and were like, we want better working conditions. And so most of the movies that year were like, it was just the raw footage. But I, I didn't mind it. Rodak. <laughs> oh, Pat. Pat, you're a peach. Never change. I can't. And I, I said it many times, I won't. Uh, speaking of peaches, uh, we have a mantra. The mantra from Carol Doyle this week is, 
bloom where your aunt is. And that speaks to me because, you know, my dream is to always live on a compound with all of my family around me. And I really would bloom where my aunts are. It's been an honor and a pleasure and a privilege to have you as a friend, to have you as a salesperson, mm-hmm. and to have you as a guest on this podcast. Bert, thank you so much for being our guest today. You, like Just like Lumia, you can be our guest anytime. We love you. I love you both so much, and you make me a better person. Oh, that's so nice. And he said it after I said it. I love you, Bert, and I love you, Megs. Love you, Pat. All right. Well, okay then. Thank you for listening to Those Who Ain't a Baby Makers podcast, starring Colleen Doyle as your aunt's Pat and Dana Carcioli as your auntie Mags. If you liked this podcast, subscribe, rate, and review us. Uncle Bert is the superb Brendan Dowling. Brendan is a staff writer on Work in Progress on Showtime and an improviser with Improvised Shakespeare. You can follow him on Twitter at Brendan Dooling. Our theme song was performed by The Cues, and you can follow them at The Cues Music on Instagram. Follow Those Who Ants on Instagram and Twitter, and if you have any questions for the ants, email us at Those Who at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy. Remember, mask and for God's sake, just call your rant.